name is Philip Minosevieta. And I'm Max Weitzman, and you're listening to the second episode of the App Canary podcast. Today, we'll be talking about how to hack a slot machine. So there's this really neat article in Wired this week about how a bunch of Russians figured out how to cheat slot machines. Mm-hmm. That was, like, really interesting because it's, like, it combines various different angles that, like, you often deal with in, like, information security, right? Because you have a really neat hack, which is the way that they actually exploited a weakness in, like, these machines. And then there's also, like, cultural and legal aspects to it as well. So tell us about the hack, Max. Okay. Some casinos in, I guess, Vegas um, arrested this guy and sort of figured out that he was part of this Russian crime syndicate. And what they were doing was cheating the odds at slots in a way that I think they could, like, make up to 10K a day. Hmm. So the Wired article that we both read did not go into the details of the hack too much. I'd like to posit some hypotheses. But uh, basically, the attacker knew, uh, was able to figure out when the right time to bet hard was. And they did this by recording some uh, outputs of the machine on their phone. This data would be like sent off to some data farm in St. Petersburg, where like somebody else in the gang would like analyze the machine. And then th- there was a special app that would vibrate in their pocket about a quarter of a second before they had to pull the lever, because apparently quarter of a second is your average human response time. So you like send this data off to St. Petersburg, you get back a message that like will vibrate, and then you pull the lever and you end up like winning. More, a lot more often than you lose, enough that you can like walk away with ten grand a day, which is really cool. And like, there's so many elements to this, right? You have to be able to like stream video while you're playing, and this app has to have good enough latency to be able to tell you within like a quarter of a second now's the time to do it. I guess like ahead of time they can once they break the pseudo random number generator, then like Bob's your uncle, then you can synchronize it perfectly. Well, that's probably the hard part is synchronizing it back, right? So there's two ways that this could go. One is that they could be using a um, like a non-cryptographically secure pseudo-random number generator. So if it's like, I don't know how to pronounce this, I think it's Mersenne Twister, mm-hmm. um, which is like the classic one that you can predict where like with just like a little bit of output anywhere in the stream, you can start predicting the next output. Mm-hmm. Um, the other way this could go is if they they just bought these machines and figured out that they were all uh, using the same seed. Yeah. Uh, so then we could be using a secure random number generator. But just poorly. But, well, they, if, the, if each machine is seeded with the same seed. Or a predictable seed, for that matter. Or a predictable seed. I almost believe this variant more because, like, I think that your phone itself could predict the Mersenne Twister. Any pseudo-random number generator is going to cycle mm-hmm. at some point. Like, it's, right. it's, it's some very, very long chain. And you may be able to, like, figure out where in the chain you are if you know the seed mm-hmm. with, like, some amount of input. Right, right. Uh, but because that, you've pre-computed all the chains. But that's, like, a harder... That's a harder... It takes uh, a lot of memory. Yeah, that, that takes a lot of memory. That's that You might not be able to do that on the phone as efficiently. Right. But on the other hand, you might be streaming to St. Petersburg in order to um, protect yourself from your agents going rogue. Right. Like even, yeah, even if it's a really simple computation, you don't want to give them the app that allows them to do the entire scam without you knowing that they're doing it. That's great. It's hard to say. But it's the syncing part is what's complicated, right? Because like I the way that I understand it is that they were recording the video hmm. and then they would like go off to the bathroom to like upload the shit to St. Petersburg and then St. Petersburg would like send the da- the app the the like the state that it needs in order to predict it. Mm-hmm. But they would have to sync it. Like, how do you sync it? Well, like, uh, it's a turn-based system, right? So, like, every time you pull the lever, you you start, the state machine goes through another cycle. My understanding, like, and this mm-hmm. is bullshit, right? But 
if I had to implement something like this, right, which is how a lot of like this is engineering, classic engineering disease, right, where you <laughs> walk through your own intuitions and, and assume that's how it works. But you have some something that spits out your random numbers, right? And every time, every time you pull the lever, it goes through another iteration. Uh, like it spits out, it it goes back to the PRNG and asks for another set mm-hmm. of numbers, right? Because like you have a, a, a fixed amount of things you have to tumble through. Because like slot machines were originally physical objects, right? Mm-hmm. Like there were actual like little paper cassettes with the little symbols on it that would turn when you actually pull the lever. Mm-hmm. The lever, the reason why there's this funny little lever that you have to pull is because they used to be like spring loaded or whatever the fuck. Uh, whereas today it's just like a switch. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I would not be surprised, this is all just to say, I would not be surprised if it was legislated that you actually have to, on the screen, show every every iteration of the tumblers mm. as they go together. Well, right? Okay, so just let's let's take a step back. I don't actually know. I've I've never pulled a slot machine. Really? Because part of this hack is that there's like it tells you when to, when to do. Because you only take one action, right? It's not yeah. like pull and then stop. Yeah. Right. It's just pull. Yeah. So, what does timing have to do with it? So when you play slots, and only I've only played slots once. Yeah. You put in your money, you yeah. press play, and then there's three to N um, rotating symbols. And you pull the lever when you want it to stop. Exactly. Okay, so you are taking two actions. Yeah. You're like initiating the game, and then you're... There's a right yeah. point at which to pull it that will cause it to all everything to line up in the way you want it. So then, the, the, right, so you found the state of the pseudorandom number generator. Yeah. And then you're hoping that while you're in the bathroom, no one's using that particular machine. Mm-hmm. Assuming that they don't, you come back, and... You have to sync the app in your phone to pressing play. Yeah. So you'd have to do those both at the same time. Unless it has, like, a microphone on or it. Or, like, you would just know the state, maybe, or... No, well... Yeah, 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 you're you right. You know what? Yeah. It could just have a microphone on it. You you just, like, hear the sound of... That's the a bit of UX, but yeah. I Presumably, mean, because it's very hard to press a button on your phone. Two things at the same time. Especially, like, right. a, like, a touch button on your phone. Mm-hmm. So you'd probably want to pick up the fact that you've pressed play. Right. Uh, but, yeah, you can do that with a mic. Or, like, whatever, you just press it. Or, like, you press the audio button. And, like, it doesn't have to be super precise, I assume. I mean, I think it, I, if they're talking about quarter of a second latency, uh, yeah. it sounds like it has to be really precise. Yeah, but maybe there's several points. I, mean, I don't know. There's, like, different ways you could you could um, so skin this cat. you wanted to talk about... So, I, I we both kind of came in with things prepared. I wanted to talk about how this is uh, related to other vulnerabilities that we've seen. Right. And you want to talk about uh, legality? Well, I... <sighs> So the gist of it is Russians go to Vegas, they stand, this is how it worked mechanically from the perspective of like the casino. They go over the tallies of the day and they say, huh, slot machine 25 is like shitting out tons of money. There's like no way that this like mathematically this should not be happening. What's going on? And they look over the footage and they say that there's some surly Russian who's like bent over the machine and like doing things very carefully. And they're like, what the fuck? And then several months later through like, because casinos coordinate amongst themselves for security threats. They, like, capture these guys at some other casino because they've been all sharing surveillance on them. They figure out what they were doing, and presumably that they broke the pseudo-random number generator. Right? Yeah, I think when you say the word crack, yes. I think they cracked their legs in order to find out how this game worked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think Vegas is one of the few places where... No, that'll still happen. Uh, yeah, where private, private security is still going to do that, too. Right. So from the perspective... When we think of hacking, we think of... You put pins into the lock and, like, made the tumbler um, go in the exact right way. You, like, inserted your own code into the machine. You, like, took some kind of physical action upon the machine itself that mm-hmm. caused it to, like, to, in order to subvert it, 
right? When we think of normally like hacking as subversion, we think about a positive action that you undertook onto the system that caused the system to behave differently or behave in a way that was not expected, mm -hmm. right? What I find kind of delicious about this is that like, normally when we think of like, uh, at least when it comes to web applications, when we think of improving your security, a lot of come, it mostly comes down to like sanitizing uh, user input, mm -hmm. right? Like there's this random ass of like malicious input that came in that maybe could be interpreted as a way to delete your database or to pretend that you're an administrator. Whereas in this case, the input remained the same. It was not like malicious input, right? Like they didn't actually tamper with any of the machines. They just examined it very carefully and were able to then deduce when was the right time to pull the lever. Earlier when we were talking about this, you're like, you realize card counting is illegal, Philip. I'm like, yes, I know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know that like casinos are like special places where like a lot of money and force has gone into like enabling enabling particular interpretations of how things should go. Well, I think, so yeah, I think that the legal, sorry, the philosophical basis of casinos is that you have a game with fixed odds. Like, these are the odds of winning the slot. And I think they have to publish it. Like, you have like to, legislate or yeah, something. You have to know, like, what your probability of winning that slot machine is. And then anything that either the house or the gambler does to change those odds is like by definition illegal because the slot machine is a thing that pays out money with this probability right. and anything you do to change that is wrong and like the same I, I mean it's harder to say that with blackjack right you can program in probabilities into the slot machine mm -hmm. uh you can it, it's a lot harder to it's like, fixed in blackjack blackjack yeah. you have a certain probability of yeah happening and that's the end that's how many cards you got but but card counting allows you to like sort of put your finger on the scale of those probabilities in your favor, right? Right, totally. Uh, but but it's, it's changing the... The essence of Blackjack is a game that you lose to the house more often than you win. Right. And by card counting, you're changing the essence of the game of Blackjack. Which is, like, funny, because, like, the only thing you're doing is you're keeping a bit of state in your head. Yeah. Right? Like, that's literally the only thing. Like, you're not manipulating anything. You're not bending the rules. You're not, like slipping a 20 to, like, the dealer. The only thing you're doing is you're keeping a bit of state, right? Did you hear about that card counting, uh, the Phil Ivey thing? No. Where he was playing Baccarat? Sure. Uh, I don't know what this game is. I think it's, like, James Bond's favorite game or whatever. But, so it's Phil Ivey, who's, like, a pretty famous poker pro, and this, like, random Chinese woman, she, like, was in jail for something, and she spent her prison... This sounds like fiction. I, like, I, I swear. She spent her prison sentence studying the backs of cards in order to learn how to predict card. cards off, like, some misprint, and they would, like, do this thing where they would, like... They would, like, mark cards, and it was this, like, very, very complicated scam, but it involved her, like, spending a long jail sentence, staring at the backs of cards, vowing to get revenge on casinos. Wow. Yeah. That's... Um, I really wish that I had this article at hand. I right. would, like, love to discuss it in a future episode. It, um, I will send it to you, and we'll, like, record another segment about it. Sure. Because uh, it, was, it was also a very interesting scam that, like, involved some complicated subversion of the rules of this game. Uh-huh. For me, this reminded me back to, like... There's a seminal article back when I was a teenager, mm -hmm. and like I really got into like um, open source licenses and what mm -hmm. they meant, and like the Free Software Movement Man Foundation, etc. And this is back in the days of remember DCSS? Yeah, like the the, the decrypting uh, to decrypt DVDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. it was like the crypto code, and then you'd like print it on a T-shirt to like subvert. In like the in in like the mid aughts, this was like a, a popular cause celebra uh, amongst like 
nerdy teenagers, where because the code to decrypt to decrypt DVDs was so simple, right? Like, but was still like banned by some court. Anyways, I remember uh, as an impressionable young man reading an article that like tried to explain like why copyright to like young young computer nerds because like computer nerds are like everything's logical i have like mastery over a deduction and like you know induction must insert stereotype here of how like why this pisses you off so much because you know it's just a philosophical difference and they're like okay copyright is kind of like a color right there's a color on objects that like you can recognize and say like so and so made this so therefore you owe it to them irrespective of how the how the actual bits got copied mm-hmm. right cuz like there's a lot of distinction on like if i make a copy of this movie but like the other person it's some people construct like a chinese room argument of like how to uh, make a, a copy of of a movie where the uh, recip- recipient of it has no idea that they're receiving a movie even though they've been able to reconstruct the exact sequence of well, bits. Well, I mean, the, the, the best way to do this is, like, you know, if you think about it, every uh, copyrighted work that's ever uh, imaginable exists somewhere in, like, the digits of E yeah, or exactly. inside the Mandelbrot exactly. set. Like, that's literally any, what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like someone would be just like, listen, look at these digits of pi and yeah. God, like, the matrix, right? Yeah, literally. and it's like, and that is that is mathematically true. That is mathematically uh, true, and this is the kind of thing that, like, young nerds get really worked up about because it's, like, a fact of the universe, therefore, right? Like, and how can you, like, go to jail for pointing out a fact? Man. Turns out all the time. All the time, uh, constantly. Such as, like, saying something mean about the king of Thailand. Sure, well, I mean... That's less fun philosophically, right? Because the King of Thailand has, like, guards. You no, know, the guards can beat you up. But this is more, like, a really abstract... But so do copyright holders, right? And like, that's out. why, is that because the Sony has, you know, people that can beat you up. And so this is this means very similar, that, like, from a, the classical way that you'd think about this in, in information security perspective, like, I don't know, you look at the machine, you're like, well, they can either turn the lever or they can't. My job here is done. There's no way, there's no sequence of, like, turning the knobs that'll get you into debug mode. So therefore, you know, I declare this tamper-proof. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's something, like, delightful about, like, this hack, or the only thing that's really changed for you to subvert the nature of this game, is, like, there's some state that you're keeping. And we've made holding this information in your head illegal. Mm. Right? It's very similar, in, in my mind, where, like, it's a kind of forbidden knowledge while you're in this particular place. Do you remember the the 2008 Debian pseudo-random number SSH key thing? Where all the SSH keys have the same. There's like 1024. It was more than that. The SSH key gen seeded a random number generator with a mixture of uh, some whatever like random state about the system, like we normally do, and a PID. Mm-hmm. And there was a commit where somebody, in order to get Valgrind to pass, which is very funny, they got rid of the like the randomness because it was like, I think they were like using a um, pointer after it had been freed in order to like get some random data. Uh, and like this is like a big no-no because it's like a use after free bug. And so in order to fix that, they got rid of that part. So you're like, your random number seed is just a PID. Right. And so for some amount of time, it was like months and or years, there's only as many uh, possible SH keys as there are PIDs, basically, yeah. which is like a pretty small number. 30-something thousand processes. Yeah. This came up recently because when Rudy Giuliani got floated as like the new cyber czar, by the Trump admin, people had a fucking field day trying to pwn his blog because it's like some Drupal or some Joomla mess. Mm. When they poked at the SSH port, they're like, "Oh, this is using one of the Debian keys." I guess he has a cybersecurity consultancy. 
uh, yeah, it turns out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Which know. is fun because his job is to sell. His job is not to do the hacking. If you told me that Kevin Mitnick had like one of the Debian keys on his box, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, his job is to go on TV. Right, but but it was also like if we turn around and you actually told me that Taylor Swift actually was also a Windows domain host and her and like in her, her day job, quote unquote. You think that Taylor Swift is infosec? I'm just saying it'd be like my mind would my my mind and universe would be shattered, and <laughs> not dissimilarly, uh, Rudy Giuliani. It turns out to like not only was he attorney general and like a really cranky, shitty old man, uh, he also happens to like be a hacksaw. Be like. A lot of things in my life would just be like, you know, I don't know. It's like finding the sky was actually purple. I don't know. I mean, I think like if if, if it turned out that like Taylor Swift had like A plus or MSN whatever certified as a network administrator, that would be like not dissimilar to like finding out that Natalie Portman is a published theoretical physicist, which is true. Um, or actually, no, I think she does math- mathematics. But like, there are lots of people like she wrote like one paper, I think. Not not to like not to diminish her like going to fucking Harvard or whatever. So, the legalities are funny to me, mm-hmm. precisely for that. Like, u- ultimately, what you have here, and, like, the Wired article doesn't really cover this, because they're just like, oh, yeah, they're indicted for fraud. Ha-ha, for fraud. But, you know, all they did was keep this legal state undermined. So, yes, in summary, um, from the legal aspect, this is funny to me, mm-hmm. because this is a kind of forbidden knowledge. Uh, and that when I was also reading this, is like, I know there's some class of attack that this, like... Well, so d- that's why I brought the Debian. Like, yeah, that yeah. is the same attack. You found a way to like predict the state of the pseudo random number generator, and then you use that in order to figure out like all the possible keys. Right. Right. Like you, it is the same. Yeah. In, in general, like predicting. That's why they talk about cryptographically secure and non-cryptographically secure mm-hmm. pseudo random number generators. And it's that in a non-cryptographically secure pseudo random number generator, you should not be able to predict like future outputs mm-hmm. based on some stream of oh, initial passes, outputs. Yeah. Unless you know the seed, right? And, and, and that's the trick. That's why like it's not it's not necessarily true that these slot machines have a non-cryptographically secure PRNG. Mm-hmm. It could be that the seed is predictable right. or fixed. Which is which is hard. Like it's hard in an embedded device to have non-predictable seeds. I don't know. You could like just have a little webcam that just like blinks on and off. Yeah, yeah. You need you need some kind of physical just something input. noise. Yeah. I mean, if there was a webcam, that would also be very fun to like to tamper with, right? Yeah. Like imagine yeah. if that Russian hacker is like waving his hand furiously while hitting the play button. Right. Or there's some microphone, like, so he yeah. just has to like whisper the right thing exactly. Yeah, I know. He has an app that like plays a certain fixed tone. Yeah. Like it's it's tough, right? Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. I I mean, if you want to get like really serious about it, you get like a neutrino detector. <laughs> um, and you're like, fuck it, cosmic radiation. Here is, I come. Yeah, you can't, you can't fuck with that. Bitch. I mean, hard. But again, you may be able to like walk up to that thing with a ray gun. What's the deal of pseudo random number generators? Mechanically, how do they function again? Because I'm saying this because mm-hmm. I, I remember back to my um, Hallison uh, University days where I was learning how like AES works, mm-hmm. or I think even DES, because they're both like, oof. Ah, uh, yeah. I was gonna say they're both. Faisal networks, is that what they're called? There's uh, like Des Des is a Faisal. Des is a Faisal. Uh, AS, AS is not. AS is something else. So like, as I recall, and this is like outrageously incorrect mm-hmm. uh, for the record. This is like Sure, no, I mean the details you're... of this are all wrong because this is like five or six years ago. Uh ooh, no, I left university longer than that. Holy fuck. But you have like a really long number as an input, 
and then there's a there's a few simple operations that where you XORed a few times, and there's a step in AES where there's just the square of magic numbers through which for which the input gets rotated against. And there's something special about the square of like this matrix of magic numbers in AES. I'm sure there's there's a lot of steps in between. Uh, that where you get to this, I'm not making this up. You're looking at me like a little. No, 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 no. I, I, I understand. I think, I think they're called um, S boxes. S boxes. That's yeah. what it was, right? Uh, uh, and so, like, you multiply or do some operation across this like matrix of like magic numbers, and at the other end, uh, provided a key, it, it's like XORed in a way that you can't predict, right? Sure, that was. Because yeah. ultimately, all ultimately, you're one time padding in against like a pad that you can generate using using the input. It, Right? Like, you have a key, it spits out something that you pat it against, and here you are. Here's, like, unpredictable plain text in order to get it back. I you think have to generate that, that, that is a more accurate... That is a more accurate description of a stream cipher. Correct. Than a block cipher. Because, mm-hmm. like, a stream cipher, yeah, you're basically... You use the seed to generate a stream of bits, and then you, like... I mean, this is also, like, very, very I mean, you can, level. Turn, you can turn a block cipher into a stream cipher. And vice versa, yeah. but you have to like do you have to do magic. Like th- that's the thing is you can go up and down either direction you want. If you have an encryption algorithm, you can use it to generate a pseudo random number generator. Yes, yes. And if you have a pseudo random number generator, you can use it to generate an encryption algorithm. <laughs> so th- that's basically like the like the, the the way that and you can prove security. Like the w- you can build this tower right where you like start with one thing, which is like we know how to generate pseudo-random numbers that can't be predicted if you don't know the seed, and you can, like, build up the rest of your crypto primitives from it, mm-hmm. and all of them are provably secure as long as your thing is secure. And you can go in the other direction where you can say, like, okay, I've invented this, like, thing called AS, and it is a secure encry- encryption algorithm, and we know it's secure because a bunch of mathematicians agree that you can't break it. Yeah, they tried really hard, yeah. and I can't think of any well, reason why. It's, but then we can say, like, we're going to use AES to generate, like, a stream cipher. We're going to use AES to generate a, um, a pseudo-random number generator. And all of those are as secure as AES is. But in reality, you're not, like, using, like, a pseudo-random number generator based on a stream cipher or based on a block cipher. Uh, I think, in reality, this thing is, like, stand on its own. But it is very useful to to have recipes for turning one into the other. But, like, a lot of the recipes end up being, like... The thing that I was kind of driving towards, and mm. maybe, again, this is outrageously inaccurate. There's a reason I don't try to pass myself off as a cryptography expert. Mm. Uh, more like a, a very vague dilettante. Uh, I took this one course in university, and I use it professionally, I guess. Never implement your own crypto algorithms is something also I also learned. Leave that to, like, geniuses. But um, I just remember there's this discrete step where you're just like, huh, there seems to be some kind of number theory reason as to why these S-boxes work the way they do, but it felt very close to numerology, right? Where, like, maybe with, like, a couple graduate courses in math, I could figure out why I can be more um, enlightened as to why these might work. But there's, like, little corner cases in, like, cryptography where they're just like, well, with, with RSA, uh, it's very straightforward. It's, like, factoring numbers is really hard, you guys, uh, until we figure out, like, quantum computers. But for, like, a lot of the symmetric encryption stuff, there seems to be some, some corners of the systems that are just like, and then there's some really hard numbers that, like, mix it up in special ways. Yeah, you do. It is weird because you have this, like, kind of very arbitrary, arbitrary mixing thing. There is mathematics behind how you choose those S boxes. Yeah, yeah. I don't but I don't entirely understand that. Exactly. Um, the crypto class that I took was 
you went to some schmerversity. I, I went to a schmerversity, and this is going to be hard uh, to not name the person because this person was actually responsible for the Faisal construction, oh. uh, which is why he loved talking about uh, the Faisal construction, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is the underpinning of Des. And he specifically had it out for AS. We never talked about it huh. uh, because. The AES is the, I guess it's like the advanced encryption standard. This guy must have been a fucking million years old. Like No. no he was like Des, this was like, wasn't Des came out in like the, oh, was it the 70s? No, it was like the 80s. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was like okay, in his 50s fine, or fine. 60s. He like... Um, old but not ancient. Old but not ancient. Uh, if you figure out who this is, he's also said some very controversial political things. Right. So anyways, this dude fucking hated AES because AES, there was like a bunch of things that were up to become the AS standard, there are yeah. a bunch of different algorithms. There that was different contest. There was a contest, and they didn't pick his baby. Right. They picked this like stupid S box thing that is totally arbitrary, and we're not going to talk about it in this class because like it's not as like elegant as my work. And so we kind of did not go into the details of AS in that class. Interesting. Which is why I do not know how it works as well as I know the like beautiful, elegant. Faisal weapon for a more civilized age. Right, right. And he was promoting something beyond just 3DS. These things are very arbitrary. You asked how a pseudo-random number generator works. Yeah. You basically want a way of generating a stream of bits mm-hmm. that you can't predict by having anywhere in the this, this stream. So, like, imagine if you have, you have, like, a two-piece seed. Let's say you have a seed, and your seed is the length of an AS key. Okay. And you start with, like, the string, like, 0, 0, 0, 0, mm-hmm. the length of a block. And you encrypt that with the key. Right. So I have a 250, is it 256 bits? For the yeah, key? yeah, it's 8 it's, it's bytes. So, and that's the, 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 the that's the, the first output mm-hmm. of my pseudo number generator. And then, if I want more, I just keep encrypting that with the same key. Uh, and the thing is, is that if I could predict the future output of the pseudo-random number ge- generator using its past output, that's equivalent to the predicting breaking. the ciphertext of AS without having the key. Right. Which you can't. So QED. that's, I mean, I don't know, like, I, I don't know if I would, this is like, I think 100% you have to convert to stream cipher first, and I don't know. No, no, you don't necessarily do have, I mean, yeah, you just do it blockwise. You just like take, you just take bits off. Because also, like, within the ciphertext of AES, um, the bits shouldn't, like, like, it's very high entropy. Like, if you know the first bit, you're not going to know the second bit. Right. And so basically, if you, like, have all of these assumptions about the security of this block cipher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just like take bits off the the, the the cipher text. When you run out of them, you just like encrypt it again, and I think you're good to go. Right. So the seed here, the seed here is like what the key. Yeah. So the, so the seed would be the key. So the um, the, the initial cipher text could be whatever the fuck you want, because the whole point is that like if you you can know the cipher text, but without the key, you still can't break it. Like you can't retrieve the key. Yeah. I, I think so. So I my, my intuition is that this scheme will work. Mm-hmm. Oh, good thing we're not in the business of approving that just off the cuff. So yeah, you basically do like some construction like this. But again, in the real world, pseudo-random number generator is like some mathematical expression that we have like pretty good reason to believe is not reversible. Yeah, the pretty good reason to believe. Sorry, and this is, this is the cryptographically secure, right? Because the Mersenne Twister is like, it is by definition like... R- Predictable is so. What's a Mersenne twist- twister? Um, I assume Mersenne came up with it. I don't know. Um, so this man has twisters and primes. So, anyways, um, I don't know the I don't know the mechanics of the Mersenne twister. Right. Um, it was not invented by Mersenne. Mersenne um, had these primes because it's like like if you want a pseudo because there's two ways to think about like pseudo random number generators. One is the cryptographer's way, which is 
I want a proof that, like, given some bits that come out of this thing, I can't predict future bits. And then there's the physicist way, which is like, here is a battery of statistical tests for randomness, and I want this thing to perform pretty well in all of them. And if you're a physicist, you want to do like a Monte Carlo simulation, or, I mean, you just want random numbers, you don't give a shit that they're predictable. Right. Like, I could like write down, like, there used to be books, right? There used to be, you buy the volume that is like, you know, whatever, 10 million randomly selected numbers, and you can like read off of it in order to do your calculations where you need random input. Mm. And those numbers will like behaviorally well statistically. Um, <laughs> they are random in that sense, but you know, they're, they're, they're obviously predictable because anybody with that book can, can like go over it. Them. Like, right? Oh yeah. You're number, you know, 17, 12, 13. Aha. I know exactly where you're yeah. in the book. So it's not cryptographically secure, but it is, it is random in the sense that it like, some, yeah. someone sat there with a pair of dice picking out numbers yeah. and I wrote them down. And it's random in the sense that it, like, um, you know, all of your, like, statistical tests for randomness, it performs well on. Which is what you care about if you're, like, you know, a, a physicist and you, like, want to run some simulation. Right. Like, you don't give a shit that it's predictable. When you graph it out, it does not draw a picture of a penguin. That's right. Is that a thing? That is a specific reference about the dangers of ECB mode. Mm. And, like, the classical image they have is this really grainy tux that's been encrypted in ECB mode, but you can still tell the outlines even though each individual block has been encrypted. Yeah. So figure out what the plain text was. That is a really good one. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Cool. Deep cuts. All right. Well, that was that. Thank you for listening to the App Canary podcast. You can visit our website at podcast.appcanary.com. My name is Max Batesman. And my name is Philip Minosa-Vieta. We're produced today by Katie Jensen. If you liked our show, please rate the App Canary podcast highly on iTunes, but also Yelp, Foursquare, Uber, PagerDuty, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and especially Hacker News. 